in elementary school, science was my favorite subject. But don't worry, I stopped that nonsense as soon as I did my first lab report in middle school. Then it became Spanish. But for some reason, while in elementary school, I loved lists of things. I loved learning that there were nine planets in our solar system. I loved learning that there were four taste sensations that we feel when we're eating. I loved learning about the three natural states of matter, a solid, a liquid, and a gas, etc., etc. As I reflect on my love of science at that time, I realize it was because those lists kept things really simple. It was easy to label and clearly understand these things in my young brain. Our human tendency is to label and to compartmentalize anyway, right? In many ways, it keeps those things simple and clear, very clear divisions. And it can be immensely helpful for memory. But therein lies a problem. While I committed to remembering these lists as they were in my rural elementary school 90s textbooks, I didn't realize that things would change. There are only eight planets in our solar system. Pluto was demoted. There are now five taste sensations when eating. And as a ramen fan, I'm appreciative of the new taste umami. And there are actually four natural states of matter, solid, liquid, gas, and plasma, plus one human-made state that I still don't quite understand, and I'm not going to try to explain it to you today. Things changed. Science moved forward. Information was updated. But I was left stuck, stuck and stagnant because of what I thought I knew. What was simple and clear for me then now became a little bit more complex and uh, the lines became a little bit more blurred and the concepts became a little bit more difficult for me to keep updated in my brain. What I knew to be certain facts now became questions. And this predicament was not unlike the problem the churches in Galatia experienced. In Galatians, this letter to Galatia, Paul addresses this issue for Christians, specifically as it relates to folks creating a litmus test to determine who are the real Christians. For many of Jesus' early followers, it was who was Jewish, like Jesus. The practice of circumcision was a marker of alignment with the God of Abraham and Sarah. It was a certain ritual on a clear list of what makes a follower of Jesus. First on the list was to be Jewish and all that entails. Paul wrote a vehement, uh-uh, not so, in this letter to the Galatians. One Bible commentator breaks it down like this. He says, Gentiles were being forced to become Jews to be fully accepted by Jewish Christians. Paul's argument is that Gentiles do not have to become Jews to fully participate in the life of the church. Neither do black people have to become white or female persons become male for full participation in the life and ministry of the church. In fact, Paul clarified that rituals such as circumcision and adherence to Jewish law do not a follower of Christ make. 
No, instead, Paul basically says, don't concern yourselves with basic yes and no questions of are they Jewish or are they circumcised or are they baptized and the like. Don't get stuck in what you thought you knew. Paul continues to remind them and us that God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us to embrace both and as an alternative. As an alternative to a dualism of those simple distinctions of yes and no and black and white and left and right and right and wrong. Yes, there, there's a time and a place for the simplicity of that either and or dynamic. But now they were in a time and a place for embracing God's nuance of both and. In other words, while they were caught up and held back and stuck by what the limits were, God was concerned with what the possibilities are and could be. While Paul's colleagues were asking, are you male or female? Are, are you enslaved or are you free? Are you Jewish or are you not? Instead of asking, how do you identify? A focus on inclusion. And if we're honest with ourselves and one another today, we easily fall into those same limiting ways. We too get stuck. We get stuck asking simplistic questions that honestly have little to do with inclusion and more to do with conformity. Every question with an only this or that answer is really about limits and conformity and less about opportunity, growth, and inclusion. It has more to do with my comfort in my stagnation and less to do with the courage to grow, more to do with my own selfishness of my way is the only way, and less to do with the communal need to mature. That's why we get stuck. We get stuck on the questions of why isn't so-and-so here instead of asking how can we get them here or what is keeping them away. We get stuck asking, are you a member, instead of asking, what can we do to encourage you to come alongside with us? We get stuck asking, what's wrong with you, instead of asking, how can we help you? Instead of asking, how are you okay, maybe we should ask, what do you need? Stuck in that list of what marks a good Christian, a good church, or a good church member, a good leader, a good person, all is, uh, leads us to be stuck in what we thought we knew. Stuck looking for an easy answer, an easy either or, a yes or a no, a good or a bad dichotomy, like I could have been stuck on my elementary school science lessons. As the world keeps on spinning, life keeps on happening, and everything, I said everything, is changing. But us, stuck. See, but God through Jesus is calling us to come unstuck, beloved. Unstuck from those simple and easy answers. Unstuck from that my way or the highway mentality. Unstuck from the it's either this or it's either that period. We are called to be unstuck. And the way to get unstuck is to embrace God's both and. What does that mean? It means nuance should not be beyond us. 
but ahead of us and pulling us forward. It's time out for the this or that, the yes or no, the either or, but it's time for us to grow up and embrace the maybe, the sometimes, and the both and. So what exactly does both and mean? What is so special about both and? Why embrace God's both and? And how will it get us unstuck? I'm so glad you asked. First, don't ignore the past, but grow from it. In the text, Paul explains how the teachings of Judaism at the time were truly limiting, and they didn't always work. Specifically in verse 24, he writes that the earlier law was indeed our teacher, but that was before Christ, and we are no longer subject to an instructor. But to be clear, this wasn't to reject the law and teachings. Instead, it was to reject the imposition of those teachings. What does that mean? It means the straightforward and simplistic nature of the teachings worked well for where you started. Amen. But they may not work for where you are headed. They, they worked really well for a base foundation and a basic understanding, but they won't give you the tools to build higher. I think of those teachings like don't bear false witness or lie, right? Simple. Lying is wrong. That works when you're a child. But there's probably a little nuance needed when someone's abuser is asking their victim about their victim's whereabouts. Would you lie? I'm old enough to remember where just a few weeks ago, the teachings were just obey and cooperate with authorities, and then a mother in Uvalde, Texas, disobeyed, ran into Robb Elementary School, pushed past the police, and saved her own children when they wouldn't. Again, maybe just a little nuance. Some growth beyond the simple teachings are necessary. And, and just a few days ago, we heard do not murder. Murder is a sin as an argument against access to reproductive care. But when sexual assault, rape, uh, uh, black mothers are still dying in childbirth, ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages are still a very real and present trauma, maybe we need a little bit more nuance. Again, the teachings are not unnecessary and worthless or meant to be discarded, but like Paul reminds us, we cannot allow teachings, law, or tradition of some to be imposed on the rest to the detriment of us all. I mean, do people serve the law and the past and traditions, or do the laws, past, and traditions serve the people? Paul knew that that answer is more nuanced than just rejecting all teachings and laws and traditions. Paul knew that the answer is embracing the both and, recognizing that two things can be true at once. Yes, this simple teaching is both helpful and this teaching is too simplistic for where we are now. Yes, this country has a history that is both rich and beautiful, but also built off the backs of slave labor. Yes, this building is both historic and gorgeous, but also it is inaccessible for older and disabled persons. Yes, marginalized people are better off than they were in the past, but 
but yes, they are also still oppressed to this day. It's not an either or situation, and it's certainly not an us versus them situation, but it's an opportunity to embrace both and. Paul recognized the importance of the law and had no desire to abolish the teachings, the laws, and the history of Judaism but desired desired to abolish the ideas of imposing those teachings and laws and traditions on new believers, which leads us to ask ourselves, how have we imposed our teachings, our laws, and our history on new believers, new members, new leaders, new persons in our family, new employees at our workplace? Where can we honestly acknowledge that we've opted for an either-or mentality and we lean into an all-or-nothing thinking instead of God's ideal of both and? Where can we honor the past's importance but also recognize where it just won't cut it in today's standards and needs? I appreciate my elementary school teachers, the curriculum writers, and my parents at the time. I acknowledge that what they taught me about the planets and matter and taste buds were helpful for the time, but it won't cut it in any serious academic setting today. And so my response is this, I could either complain about it, I can impose it wrongly on generations coming up behind me, I can even utilize it as a tool to exclude differences, and I would remain stuck. Or I can embrace both truths, both and, and move on for my own well-being and for the well-being of others. God is calling me and you to embrace both and, which means do not ignore the past, do not ignore your history, do not ignore traditions, but also grow from it. That's how we get unstuck. Secondly, God is calling us to embrace both and, which means don't ignore labels, but also expand upon them. In verse 28, Paul goes on to write what has become a more popular text for many Christians today around unity. It says there is no Jew, no Jew or Greek, no slave or free. There is no male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. We love this ideal of unity presented within this verse. For all of Paul's flaws, and yes, he has a many, I think he was on the money with this one. However, like many verses in the Bible, it too has been subject to a lack of nuance. This verse is often used as a reason to eradicate labels and differences, but that faulty logic leads not to community, but again to conformity. Many theologians argue that contrasting labels presented are not to be opposite sides of the same coin, but ends of a spectrum. What do you mean, preacher? First, it was no coincidence that Paul used these specific distinctions in in this letter. The distinctions that are ethnic, Jew or Greek, the distinctions that was economic, enslaved or free, and the distinction that was gendered, male or female. As Reverend Dr. Brad Braxton writes, Paul pleads for the eradication of dominance, not the erasure of difference. When people enter the Christian community, they do not lose the social distinctions that have characterized their lives. Jews should not dominate Gentiles. Free persons should not dominate enslaved persons. Men should not dominate women. 
In other words, being Christian does not make me any less a middle-class black American bisexual cis woman. Paul doesn't use labels as an example of what should be ignored, but uses them to show even if on a spectrum of extreme ends, we should embrace everything in between and everything outside of that spectrum. Oh, but we're human. We love labeling the beginning and the end and somehow find ways to ignore the in-between. Because it's that ignoring of, of labels and a refusal to go beyond them that leads us to ignore those hurting right in front of us, leaving us all stuck. Perhaps that's why some folks are adamant that there are only two genders, male and female, but can't fathom the beauty uh, falling in between male and female, neither at all, and thus ignore non-binary folks, they're stuck. Perhaps that's why some folks see the extremes of slavery being legal and then and now it's illegal, but somehow can't see the in-between of our overrun prison population that falls in the middle and ignore their oppressions today, they're stuck. Perhaps that's why some Christians are obsessed with when life begins and where they will spend the afterlife, but have no concern for the quality of the living that happens in between. And thus children that are poor and hungry and unhoused are ignored. They're stuck. That's not dynamic faith. That's stuck faith. Even Jesus was not immune to this either-or treatment. That's why many Christians, uh, Christians focus on Christmas celebrating his birth and Easter honoring his death as the two high holy days of the church and refuse to emulate any of the living that Jesus did in the in-between, the giving to the poor, the healing the sick, the sitting with the oppressed, the touching the marginalized, the calling out the injustices, etc. All that he did in between the two ends. Where have we ignored labels in, in lieu of some kind of faux unity? Instead of expanding upon the labels, leading to true inclusion. Labels of Jew or Greek misses the very heavy Roman populations at the time of Paul's writing. R labels of slave and free miss the imprisoned. Labels of male or female misses the non-binary persons, the effeminate men and the masculine women. Uh, labels of yes or no miss the maybes and the sometimes. Labels of sinful and holy miss the nuance of motive. Labels of body and soul miss the very nature of humanity and even Jesus himself. Let me bring it home a little bit for you. Labels of in-person and virtual miss the folk who can't do technology and disable people who can't come in person. Simple labels of are you masked or are you unmasked miss everyone in between who are still struggling to get health care to even get vaccinated if they could. Labels don't exist to show us who to exclude, but labels exist to show us who we should include. To truly embrace God's vision of both and we must not ignore the labels, but be willing to expand beyond them. Instead of compartmentalizing or ignoring labels, we must draw the circle wide. Or as Reverend Dr. Pauli Murray writes, when my brothers try to draw a circle to exclude me, I shall draw an even larger circle to include them. 
Where they speak out for the privileges of a puny group, I shall speak out for the rights of all humanity. No, embracing both and is not ignoring labels, but expanding upon them is how we get unstuck. And finally, if we are to get unstuck and embrace God's true call for the both and, we must not ignore faith, but also we should embrace doubt. Again, Paul emphasizes for the Galatian churches that it's faith that makes a follower of Christ. He writes in verse 26 that they were all children of God through faith. This may seem kind of basic to us as modern readers, but to the Galatians at the time, this was world-shattering. For so long, they had the surety of their salvation and righteousness in their obedience to the laws and the teachings. And here comes Paul, messing all that up with some faith mumbo-jumbo. Where was the guarantee? Where was the checklist? Circumcised, check. Baptized, check. Confirmation, check. Where was the certainty? But here's what I love about this. Paul's point was, we'll never be certain. That's the whole point of faith. And they asked, wouldn't that also lead to doubt? My answer, yes. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if many of you listening right now have a level of doubt hearing this both-and sermon. And that's okay. Like the Galatians, too many Christians today are hung up on certainty, stuck on certainty, if you will, certain that this will or this won't happen, certain that this is or this isn't what Scripture means, certain that this is right and this is wrong. But then, oh then, life happens. The disease happens, the shooting happens, the divorce happens. And what of faith then? What of your certainty then? It declines. Why? Because life will knock all certainty out the window every single time. This Christian life is not about being certain and having the answers, but having doubt and asking the right questions. Like the Galatians, we get nervous when we don't have the answers and, and think that makes us a little less than ideal as a Christian. But the reality is just what Paul told them, we can't ignore faith. In fact, with our faith, we have to also embrace doubt. Certainty leads to stagnation, but doubt leads to intentional learning. Certainty leads to disappointment, but doubt leads to wonder and surprise. Certainty leads to shallow and base answers. Doubt leads to deep questions. I haven't fact-checked the exact numbers, but I saw this great post on social media the other day, and it said that in the Gospels, Jesus is asked about 187 questions and answers eight of them. He himself asked over 300. So maybe faith isn't about certainty, but faith is about learning to ask and sit in the complexity of good questions. And from my understanding of Paul's writing here, I, I think we're on to something and that Paul would agree. In the text, Paul twice says to the Galatians that in faith they are the children or offsprings or heirs to the promises of God. And who else asks better questions than children? 
Who else has more optimistic and a more hopeful faith than children? Who else knows and understands so little of the world and the human experience, but is still willing to push forward in life other than children? After all, aren't we supposed to all be like the little children? Any parent in here will tell you that it's one thing uh, for you to be certain of who your child is or who they will become or how you raise them, but it's a whole different thing to ask in the question, who are you and who will you be when you get older? And no matter the answer, current parents will accept them just as God accepts us. Don't ignore faith, church, as some sort of lesser version of certainty, but also embrace doubt as a partner in your faith journey. Because when you embrace the both and of God through Jesus Christ, that's how we get unstuck. That's how we move forward. That's how we all get free. True freedom is the ability to question, to question authority, to question the status quo, to question what you've been taught and been told to believe. That either or thinking leads to limitations and conformity, both and faith leads to freedom and inclusivity. Black and white thinking leads to stagnation, only asking how to go back instead of how to move forward. But both and faith leads to growth, asking how can we move forward together. Right and wrong thinking leads to injustice, but both and faith leads to ethics, integrity, and eventually community. So what will it take for you to move on from that stuck place, from black and white and embracing the gray, to move from stagnant and embrace change, to not ignore the past but also grow from it, to not ignore labels but expand beyond them, to not ignore faith, but also embrace doubt. What will it take for you to embrace God's both and for more inclusivity, more justice, and more community building? Amen.